Good morning. Open your Bibles to Joshua chapter 2. And if you like to take notes, you can turn to the back of the bulletin and there's an outline there uh, that helps you to follow along. There's especially one box that's maybe the most important thing that we talk about this morning. Uh, I also want to call your attention in the front of the bulletin. Uh, I mentioned we have Connect tonight. One of the things we do with our Connect nights, we have a special opportunity to feature different speakers or topics. Tonight, we're going to focus on our Faith Farm. Uh, what a wonderful ministry that is. We're going to meet in Faith Farm. Uh, our young men will lead us in a devotional, and then some of our uh, children will be uh, leading us on tours. Uh, that may be your area of ministry, and so we want to highlight that. They may not be your area of ministry, but you can come and support them and learn about what's going on. It's going to be a great night, and it begins at 6 o'clock. I want to encourage you to read all of Joshua chapter 2. I'm not going to do that this morning. Um, but it's, only short, uh, it's a short chapter, only 24 verses, but what a great chapter. And it's a key chapter because the children of Israel are preparing to enter the land of promise. Now, last week we camped out in verse 1 where Joshua sent the two men in to spy out the land. God had told them he was giving them the land, and they finally understood that it must be taken. But to take the land, Jericho had to be taken first. Jericho was like the gateway. It was 14 miles west of the Jordan, and it must be conquered first. We also learn from this chapter that the news of all that God had done for his people had spread throughout the land. Everybody was talking about it. And last week we saw how these two, when they gathered their intelligence, these spies, everything that was needed, well, when you fast forward to chapter 6, you realize they didn't really use that information. It wasn't really needed at all. But after you read chapter 6, it changes how you understand chapter 2. Because we understand that Joshua sent the spies for one reason, but God sent them for another. Joshua sent them to gather intelligence about the land, and God sent them to save this woman who was coming to faith. Her name is Rahab. And when you read on, you realize that Rahab was not only saved, but also her family. She becomes integrated into the people of God. She marries and has children, grandchildren. Her great-grandson is King David. She becomes a part of the lineage of Jesus Christ. So in Joshua chapter 2, the central person in this chapter is a woman from a pagan nation, and she's described as a prostitute. Some translations call her a harlot. Call her what you will. We know what that means. And yet, she's celebrated as a person of great faith. And not just here in Joshua chapter 2. Her faith is so remarkable, so worth emulating. She's mentioned two other times in the New Testament. They're on your outline. Look at the screen as well. Hebrews chapter 11, you know, that, that great hall of faith chapter, verse 31. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And then in James chapter 2, verse 23, and in the same way, same way referring to Abraham by faith offering Isaac on the altar, in the same way, 
Was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? There's so many lessons that we can learn for Rahab, but I want to begin with this. It is never too late for your story to be rewritten. It is never too late for your story to be rewritten. Here is a pagan outsider, a prostitute who's not only saved and accepted into God's people, but Rahab is lifted up for all of us to follow this great example of faith. So it's never too late, no matter what kind of mess you may find yourself in, whether it's a mess of your own making or what other people cause, whatever, whatever you've done, it's never too late for your story to be rewritten. But here's a question I want us to ask as we kind of unpack this chapter. What was it about a Canaanite prostitute's faith that it's worth commemorating in the New Testament? Why is this held up for, some, for all of us to read and to follow her in this way? Well, I want to suggest three possible answers just straight out of the text. The first is this. Rahab allowed the unseen to dictate how she responded to what she did see. Rahab allowed the unseen to dictate how she responded to what she did see. Last week we talked about how the very question, why would these two spies go to Rahab's house. We might call it a brothel because that's basically what it is, right? Well, from a, a very practical standpoint, that makes sense because if they were to go to this house, maybe that would not call undue attention because men coming and going maybe all hours of the day was not that unusual. So maybe that's a very logical place for them to go. A spy was to be undercover. They were trying not to be seen. They wanted to gather as much information as they could without being found out. But someone did notice. Someone did see them. And they ratted them out. And they sent word to the king. He not only learns that there are spies in Jericho, he knows they are in her house. At this point, Rahab is questioned. She's put to the test. She's put in the hot spot. In verse 3, notice she's not asked if they were there. She's told to send them out. Not even given a chance to deny it. So what does this woman of great faith do? She hides the spies, and then she lies. She admits the men come to her house. But she lied saying she did not know where they came from. She knew where they came from. She lied saying they left at dark just before the city gates closed. She knew that wasn't true. She lied saying that she did not know where they went. She knew exactly where they were. Does that make you uncomfortable? Here is this woman of great faith who lies. And it's not like Abraham. Abraham lied. He, he's a man of great faith. The faith of Abraham. And yet Abraham, we know, had a moment of weakness. He lied about his wife Sarah being her sister. And you read about that chapter in Genesis chapter 20, how it caused all kinds of trouble with Abimelech. And he's found out. Abraham prays. As far as we know, nowhere in the Bible is she ever condemned for this. What are we supposed to make of this? Here's this woman of great faith 
Remember, James held her up saying that she's considered righteous because of what she did. We teach our children what the Bible teaches about honesty, about integrity, about truth. Verses like Proverbs 2.22, lying lips are abomination to the Lord. So what do we make of this? What are we supposed to think about this? Some equate this story to the actions of Betsy or Corrie Tin Boom in a time of war. And they reason that what makes Rahab so honorable in this is that she chose the greater good. Have you heard that line of thinking before? We could spend our whole message on this topic alone. But I don't want to do that. Here's what I want to do instead. I'm going to kick the can to next week in our small group Bible study. Because I really feel like this is the kind of thing that we need to talk about, we need to discuss. This is why you need to be in a small group Bible study. How do we make sense of this? How do we learn from this? So give you a week, go back and read through this, and we're going to pick that up next week. But for for today, look again at verse 9, where she tells these two spies what she knows, what she believes. Joshua 2, verse 9. I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. Now remember, we're only in chapter 2. There are millions of Israelites just west of the, of the Jordan. There are only two spies and they just now entered her house. Just now. But she already knows. In fact, she mentions everybody knows. Word has spread. The people in Canaan know all the inhabitants of the land, she says, melt. They're scared. So here's a lesson to learn. Yes, we have the Holy Scriptures. Yes, we have the the great commission to go and make disciples. We know that, to teach them about Jesus. But that does not mean God is still not at work advancing his kingdom. God wants his word to be spread People in a pagan world may not be interested in religion, but there's something about the way he created us. We want want to know who who is God, and what does that matter? There's a quote that came to mind, and I looked it up. It it comes from Pascal. I'll put it on the screen. There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each man which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God the Creator made known through Jesus Christ. Deep down in all of us, we want to know, who is God? What's he up to? And what difference is that supposed to make in my life? See, at some point after the Exodus, the word had spread about what God was doing for his people. And most recently, that that his people, with God's help, had defeated the two kings on the other side of the Jordan. So the, the Canaanites had heard about God. They heard about the Red Sea crossing. They heard about him helping them to defeat these two kings. And so notice the wording here. Rahab basically says it's a matter of when, not if, you take the land. To her, it's as good as done. So when you take the land, she says, please show kindness to me. Now remember about this. It was not her parents or grandparents who crossed the Red Sea. She was not at that war, that battle of the two kings. 
And as far as we know, she had not seen the millions of Israelites on the other side of the river. And yet she's convinced that God is giving them the land. But as for Israel, their parents and grandparents had crossed the Red Sea. They were delivered by God's miraculous ways from slavery. They walked on the dry land across the Red Sea. They ate the manna. They, they ate the quail. They saw the pillar of fire and the pillar of smoke. Their army defeated the, king, the two kings... And yet they're still not the ones being celebrated because of their faith. Rahab is so convinced that she talks about the taking of the land as if it is a sure thing. I put this on the screen. Faith is when you allow the word of God to move beyond the walls of your material world to influence how you act in your material world. Think about that. Allowing what God says to change the way you see things. Look how the writer of Hebrews put it. Hebrews chapter 1, 1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. And then verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and he rewards those Who seek him. The reason God is so pleased by your faith, why faith is so important, is through faith that we're more aligned with God. You believe him, you take him at his word. God is righteousness and peace and joy. And when you believe him, you become those as well. Look at Romans 14 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. See, that's the message there. The abundant life that Jesus came to give is not about stuff. It's not about things. Our worldly way of thinking, and we've all got it, it's all about physical things and getting ahead and what you have. That's not the life Jesus was talking about. That's not the life Jesus promised. Life in the kingdom is all about faith. It's about being able to see what others cannot. It's calling what is not as though they were, because God says they are. That's what we're talking about here. Rahab, this pagan prostitute, she heard, and Rahab believed. This step of faith, this statement of faith, calling something that was not as though it were, that's what we're talking about here. That's why she's blessed. That's why she's held up. She was able to see beyond her material world coming to an end. Tony Evans put it this way. This is on the screen as well. Faith is believing it is so, even when it isn't so, so that it will be so because God said so. In so many ways, we can relate to Rahab. You and I were not born in a Jewish family. We don't have that spiritual heritage. We're an outsider. You and I were not there when the angel appeared to Mary and Joseph. We weren't there when Jesus was alive. We didn't hear him teach. We didn't witness the miracles. We didn't get to just be in his presence. We didn't see him die on the cross. We didn't see the empty tomb. We didn't speak to the resurrected Jesus. We did not see these things with our own eyes. But just as David read for us earlier in our worship, yet we believe. We weren't there 
We weren't eyewitnesses, but yet we believe, we've only heard about it from other people. We've only read what other people wrote about it. And yet we have come to faith. Remember what Jesus said to Thomas? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. John 20, 29. My world, your world, is a Jericho. It's walls. And it's so easy just to, in our worldly, our, our view, to see the physical when we get caught up in this world. Yet, spiritually, it's so much more than that. Our lives are shaped by what we, what's already happened through Jesus Christ. In Hebrews chapter 11, we referenced that earlier, Rahab is one of those listed. These, these men and women of faith who do amazing things. And in chapter 12, they're called witnesses. Not that they're watching us, but that they are giving their testimony of this is what we know is true. I believe it so much, this is what I did. That's what chapter 12 is all about. And you and I today, we have, even in our own number, people who are walking testimonies. I will tell you, what I have seen God do in my life, answered prayer. That's what we're talking about here. It's a matter of choosing. Choosing to see things from God's perspective. Think about what's happening here. She's heard about these people who are coming. These people of this God. And now, these two men are sitting in her house. She cannot see the millions across the Jordan, but she allows the unseen, what is beyond the wall, to shape what she does see. So Rahab makes a choice. And that's the second thing I want us to see, how we can celebrate her faith. Number two, Rahab shifted her allegiance from Jericho's king to the eternal king. Rahab is the model for every believer today. That's why we hold her up because she faced something that every one of us who believe will face. To whom or to what will I give my allegiance? What's going to be number one? Because we understand this is not a one-time decision. This is an everyday decision. Who is going to be the Lord of my life today? And especially in those moments of truth. When that moment comes, when I'm put in the hot spot like Rahab was... Bring the men out. We know they're there. What are you going to say? What are you going to do? What's your decision? Will I give up God for my own pleasure? Will I forsake God to keep my job or to keep peace within the family? What am I going to do when that moment of truth comes? Maybe some of you have had that moment of truth. Maybe for you it started early in life when you were in school and you had some friends who were making a choice you knew was not right and you had to decide, am I going to go along? Or am I going to stand up? Or maybe it's when you went to college and your parents weren't there to kind of hold you accountable. And so you had to make some tough decisions. Who am I? What do I believe? What is right? What kind of choices am I going to make? Maybe it's your first full-time job and your livelihood was at stake. Everything you had built your life up to at that point and you had to decide, am I going to stand up for what's right and keep my job? Or lose my job? What's going to happen? We've all faced that critical moment of truth when you have to decide, what do I really believe? To whom or to what do I give my allegiance? Standing up for God is not always easy, not without a price. Rahab experienced that. When you really believe, when you really believe, there's going to come a time 
that you have to even start talking about what is, even though you can't see it. That's what Rahab is doing here. See, it's not that I will be saved when Jesus comes. It's I am saved now because I've been washed by the blood. I now realize that all of this is just temporary, but a vapor. These walls I see, this is not my world. My world is beyond this world. I heard this as I was driving home one day this week, and I don't know who said it. I just turned the radio on, and this quote came up, and I, and I wrote it down. I want to share it with you. Everything in God's hand is secure. Nothing in your hands is secure. Think about that. Everything in God's hands is secure. Nothing in your hands is secure. That's when you're able to see beyond the walls. That's when you're not living for the here and now. That's when you're able to see beyond. You see what God is doing in this world. Look at 1 John 2, 17. This is what he's talking about here. The world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. It says, is passing away. Not will pass away. Is pa- it's as good. It's happening, folks. It's happening. The original Greek there is present tense. Rahab is a living illustration of that. To her, it's, just, it's as good as done. So it's decision time. Moment of truth. She, along with everyone else in Canaan, had heard the stories about these people and how their God was doing these amazing things for them. On the other side of the river was Joshua, and he was coming. And he could either save her or destroy her. It all depended on how she responded. So Rahab shifts her allegiance from the king of Jericho to the eternal king. And then third, notice this, Rahab took steps to save more than herself. In hiding the spies, in lying to the king, she made a choice. Frankly, she committed, committed treason. Bold step here. She compromised her own safety. She also compromised the safety of her family. This was a big step. Rahab believes, this incredible faith, bold faith, and as as bold as it was to hide the spies and to lie about their whereabouts to the king, it was also a bold step to reach out to her family. Think about what's going on here. Now, from the text, we know very little about a family. She mentions mother, father, brothers, and sisters, and those in the house. That's all we know. Did they, like Rahab, also come to believe in God? We don't know that. Did they care? We don't know that. Did all of them get in? We don't know that. But get this, with every family member that she reaches out to with this news, there's a risk. They may not believe. They may choose to stay. They may turn on me. What are they going to do? And even if they do nothing, they can be found as a traitor because they're aiding and abetting someone who had committed committed treason. What's really going on here is that Rahab was able to see beyond the walls. Because what she knew is once the walls came down, there's no time. It's as good as done. So when the Lord comes back, 
There's no time. It's as good as done. Same parallel here. And it was worth to Rahab to risk them turning on her to save them. What a bold step. And some of you are right there. You hear this story. You're reminded of this story. And you so relate to Rahab. Because you're not just thinking about yourself. You're thinking about some people who are dear to you that you also want to be saved. And you want to take a bold step and tell them what all God is up to, but you don't know how they're going to take it. You don't know if they're going to think you're out of your mind or if you've lost it or, or, or how is it going to affect your relationship. Maybe your family is so called up in this world, in these walls, that they're going to turn a deaf ear and not care at all. But what you want more than anything is for them to see the big picture, the real picture, the spiritual reality that these walls are coming down. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And you want them, when our Joshua, when Jesus comes, that he will come as their Savior and not as their destroyer. But some of you, you don't have in your house people who are saved. Some, some do. Some of your parents are, are Christians, your grandparents are Christians, your siblings. You have an amazing spiritual support group in your family. But for others, there may be one or two, or maybe you're the only one who believes. They've never confessed in Jesus. They've never been baptized for the remission of their sins. The risks are great if you reach out to them. Some say it is the most challenging to share your faith with family more than anyone else. You can talk to somebody at work. You can talk to a stranger. You can go on a mission trip. You can speak before hundreds that you do not know. But to talk to your family, that's hard. That may be the boldest step of faith at all. Because you cherish the relationship. You love them so much. That, that person in your family, or maybe it's a good friend that's just like family. And you don't want the relationship to be compromised or broken or strained. That little box on your outline, now you know what it's for. I want to challenge you to write their name in that list. Make a list, maybe, maybe one, maybe two, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a family member. Whom is it that you want to be saved, that you can reach out to? Rahab knew Joshua was coming and she wanted her family to be saved. Write their names in the blank. If you need a bigger box, just keep going. Because so much is at stake. Like Rahab, you have come to believe. You see beyond the walls and you want them to see. Have they come to mind? Have you written them down? Let's pray about this. God, you are the mighty God. As Rahab called you, the God in heaven above and on earth beneath. What an amazing title. We know and believe that you are working in our world today. Open our eyes to see your hands at work. We know there's a great day coming when Jesus will return. Great for those who are saved, but a terrible day for those who are not saved. And God, with hearts full of faith, 
we ask you to work in and through us to reach others, our family, our friends. Give us courage. May we be strong and courageous. These names that have come to mind that we've written down, these people are dear to us. We love them. They're our family. They're our friends. And when Jesus returns, we want them to be saved. We want them in. God, give us love in our hearts. Give us the words to say as we speak about you. In Jesus' name, amen. Think about this. This family, as big or small as it is, their salvation all hinged on the faith of this prostitute. It's an amazing story. When I read this story, I've got so many questions. I wonder what her family, Rahab's family, thought about her livelihood. You know, was it a family business? Were they all in on it? We know it was a horribly ungodly culture. So maybe they were all in on that. And that was kind of normal for them. Or was she the family outcast? That maybe she had chosen this, this lifestyle. Were they even talking to her anymore? Did they even claim her anymore? We don't know. The scriptures don't tell us that. What we do know is that Rahab chose the eternal king over the king of Jericho. And we know she took a step to save not just her own neck, but to save her own family. Quickly, fast forward a few chapters. Look on the screen at Joshua 6, 22 and 23. But the two men who had spied out the land, Joshua said, Go into the prostitute's house and bring out from there the woman and all who belong to her as you swore to her. So the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and mother and brothers and all who belonged to her. And they brought out all her relatives and put them outside the camp of Israel. Bring her out. And all who belonged to her, they had to be in the house. I want to close by noting this how she was saved, the scarlet cord. Back to chapter 2, verse 18. Behold, when we come into the land, you shall tie this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down, and you shall gather into your house your father, your mother, brothers, and all your father's household. How can you read this story and not see God's hand at work? These spies are sent to Jericho to find out how they can take out the land, and yet... God is really sending them to save this prostitute who now believes in the God of heaven and on earth. Friends, God is still working. God is still working, trying to save everyone. Always wanting people to come to faith. This rope, this cord was scarlet. Do you think there's any coincidence that it's blood red? I mean, how can you not see God at work in here? All throughout the Old Testament and New Testament, we read about the shedding of blood, taking away sins, offered for sins. In the Old Testament, it was the animals being sacrificed. In the New Testament, it was the blood of Jesus sacrificed once and for all. One last verse, Ephesians 1.7. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace. We're saved through the blood. Here's the cool part. Rahab was saved. And all of her family that was in her house, 
Rahab had come to faith, took a bold step and shared with her family. And you know what happened next? She was ushered up to heaven. She wasn't. She remained right there. She became a part of God's family. The walls came down. In some ways, it remained the same. She was still in the same land. And yet everything changed. Folks, it's so much the same for us. When you come to an obedient faith in Jesus, when you confess your faith in Him, when you go down in that watery grave of baptism, you come back up and you dry off and you put on your dry clothes. In some ways, you're the exact same person. You put on the same clothes, you, dry clothes you had on before. And you get up, you go back to the same house. Everything's the same. And yet, nothing is the same. Everything's changed because now you see beyond the walls and you live your life for the eternal King. We're going to sing a song and encourage you today to accept salvation in Jesus' name. Today to be baptized, have your sins washed away. Be, to be washed by the blood, as Scripture says. Or if we can pray for you to be bold, strong, and courageous so you can share your faith with others. However we can help you, once you come as we stand and sing to encourage. The Lord lift His countenance upon